Rolando, Ahmad, Steven, Kenneth, Amadou, Jonathan, Christian, Terrace, Sean, killed him the day before his wedding, Jamal killed him while he was in handcuffs, Mike killed him while he had his hands up, Kamani, Ramali, Philip, Alton, about three Kevins, about two Jordans, John, Laquan, Bethon, Stephon, Tony, Tamir, Elijah, Antoine, Isel, Terrell, Dontre, Akai, George, for him, set the country on fire, Timothy, Patrick, Paul, Tyree, Quintonio, Darius, Jeremy, William, Anthony, Dante, Oscar, Kendrick, Keith, David, Walter, woman like Sandra, Betty, Rihanna, India, Michelle, Atatiana, Tanisha, Rika, Natasha, Palmer, Janet, Megan, baby Ayana, all that we lost, your name live on, wasn't killed by a cop, but I can't forget Trayvon, can't forget Emmett, and all of those we lost to the beast, no justice, no peace, no Hi, you guys. Get Caught Up is on the move. Welcome to the new GCU. Follow us on Twitter at GCU underscore podcast. That's GCU underscore podcast. And make sure you follow our new web address at anchor.fm forward slash get caught up. Caught Up Podcast is sponsored by Untamed Publishing, Anchor FM, Women of Vision, KD, MB, Tyler Landscaping, and Author Exodus Morning. Thank you to all of our sponsors and supporters. You are now tuned into Socially Conscious Corner because silence is no longer an option. Hello, 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 and welcome to the Get Caught Up Podcast and this week's edition of the Socially Conscious Corner. I am your host, Untamed, and I am joined here today with two of my lovely co-hosts, Miss Kay Roche and Miss Diane. How are you ladies doing this evening? Doing fine. How about you? How are you? Doing well, doing well. It is so, so grateful to be able to speak with you all. I just, you know, I have to say with all of the recent deaths in 2020, and, and I hate to start off on mm. a note, but it is so, you know, especially has hit, I have been just hit back to back to back this week, and um, all, all of us have been affected in some way, shape or form or fashion in 2020 with some type of illness, someone we know, someone we love, you know, family member, friend, co-worker, someone, you know, not just even with COVID, but COVID has really added to all of everything else that's going on, and I just wanted to take the time to say, you ladies, that, you know, I think about you, I pray for you, and, you know, we just have to keep each other uplifted because you just, you just never know. We are living in a very trying time in 2020. So every moment that I have to try to show you guys some love and 
give you your roses while you are here, while we are present. I want to do so because it is, you know, it's just tomorrow's not promised. And I just wanted to take a moment out to say that because I think that it's very necessary that we show each other some love. And so that is all that I have. And my wish is that everyone who is listening and tuning in, that you are in our prayers and that you all remain safe and diligent over your health and safety as we try to just maneuver through the remainder of 2020. Hmm. Well said. Thank you. Thank well you. Yeah, thank you. Thank, likewise. You, you're welcome. You're welcome. Well, ladies, this today's discussion is going to be a two-part discussion. Um, the first half, we're going to discuss um, our professional sports and their, you know, the protesting that they're doing, you know, why it's important and has it been effective? And then we will segue the second half of our show into the protests that happened in Kenosha, Wisconsin in regards to Jacob Blake. And I'm sorry, as I have deemed him, the Kenosha Killer. That is my my name. No one else has to share that sentiment with me but the 17-year-old who decided that he wanted to go over with his assault rifle um, to the protest and end up killing two people and injuring one. So that is where we will begin, but as you guys know, um, the NBA followed by the NFL followed by um, the MLB, the tennis league, and eventually hockey, they all protested in regards to Jacob Blake. And it's something that's not new. You know, it is something that has been going on for years. And when I say years, I'm not just talking in recent years, since decades and decades ago. But it's gaining more traction and more light here in the last four to five years, I would say it like that, with because it's not just one particular person or a few people, it's becoming the entire league that are deciding that enough is enough and they have to do something and take a stand. So I want to start with you, Kayla and just ask you, you know, do you think it's important because they receive so much backlash. But do you think it's important for sports teams and what they're doing to be participants in the protest, leading the protest, suspending games, you know, kneeling, whatever they're choosing to do in protest for social and racial injustice? Do you think that they should do it? And do you think that it is important that they do it? I definitely think that it is important um, any type of um, coverage about um, the exposure of police brutality and the way that we are being treated in America. I think any any type of press um, geared towards our cause is, is good. Um, the NBA and different organizations, uh, sport team, sport team organizations, I mean, they're impactful. Um, look at all of the, the, the millions and millions of people who watch this. You know, this is America's pastime. And for 
us, I mean, let's be honest, majority of, of, of African Americans are a part of this. You know, they are the faces and the, the fact that they realize that outside of the uniform, outside of even the money that they make, the publicity that they have or the fame, they still are black in America. And I think right now, more than ever, we need to to um, have people understand that the ones that are not affected to start caring. You know, that's the only way I see us being able to make change. So um, a couple of uh, days ago when I was watching like an NBA game, I saw, you know, Black Lives Matter is on the court. Um, and that's important. It's an important message to, to get across. I think it's very important and very, very vital. And I think it is making a, uh, a difference because it's sparking the conversation. You know, we, we've had the conversation on and off through the years, but I've never heard it being discussed as much as it is now. Because now we are, not only do we have the video, you know, first it was happening without the video. Now we have the actual video. Now we have people that actually have large platforms speaking up saying this is not right it's shedding light on the issue so I'm, I'm all for it yes uh, I 100% agree with what you're saying on that for me um, you know you have those who have argued like Laura Ingraham um, who is a commentator on her own Fox show very, you know, right wing when she told LeBron James to shut up and dribble. Um, you know, for, for me, what's bothersome, and I'll start there when I mention that quote, is it, they don't understand that what's good for the goose is good for the gander. You know, my thing is, how dare you tell someone, regardless of what their profession is, to just shut up and do whatever they're supposed to be doing. Like you said, Kayla Shay, above being a professional athlete, LeBron James and the rest of the NBA players, NFL, MLB, NHL, all of them, they are human. They are African, you know, you have African Americans, they are African Americans, and they're black men, black women, you know, they have a voice. They are Americans. They're citizens. They have just as much right to be concerned and voice their concern about the issues that are impacting them and their families and their communities as anybody else. She has a a news show where she, you know, is supposed to commentate the news. And we all grew up in an era where the news is supposed to be factual information and not commentary. You know, it's supposed to be non-biased. So for her to tell him to shut up and dribble, what I feel like should have been said was you shut up and report the news and stop commentating it then. Because if he can't speak, then you shouldn't be able to speak either. You know, and I think that's a whole lot of what goes on. Nobody wants to turn a mirror to themselves and say, you know, how how dare, it's like, how dare they speak out or speak up for what's going on around them, you know, and how dare you tell them that they can't, you know, that is, that, that is the double side of the coin 
that gets bothersome to me with that. But I think it's important because they have the platform and they have the attention of people that other folks can't reach. You know what I'm saying? Other, It's people out here who might not listen to an Untamed or a Shay or a Diane, but they'll listen to a LeBron James. They'll listen to uh, a Kyle Lowry. They'll listen to, um, you know, Image, but they'll listen to these football players. They'll listen to these, you know, they'll listen to a Russell Wilson. They'll listen to, you know, Kenny Anderson and Shaquille O'Neal and all of these people. They'll listen to them. And rightfully so, because they are people that they may admire, you know, because of what they do. So I think that their platform is important for that specific reason. Whereas a regular Joe Blow might not get the benefit of the doubt to have them open their ears and their heart. Maybe this pro athlete will. So I'm going to segue it over to Diane and just get your input on do you think they should do it and, you know, do you think it's important? Okay, thank you. Um, let me begin by saying I believe it is very important. Um, I believe that a time such as this is very necessary and it is almost required. Um, I say that because piggybacking on on what the both of you said, Kay Rache said, you know, we have the videotape, we have the footage. We're watching this play out on a daily basis daily basis we're watching this like we we're barely if and that's such a uh uh that's the incorrect word but i'm gonna use it anyway we're barely getting over george floyd and then we get there's just you know something else there's a man in rochester that every day there's something else and we're tired you know um we're tired and um, for the different organizations to take the stand that they did, I think speaks volumes. And I have a, a, a comment or a quote about that that I'm going to read to you in just a minute. However, what I do want to focus on right now um, um, is there was another quote, and there's like a young lady. Um, she says it, it's Naomi Osaka, and if anyone doesn't know who she is, she is a um, young African American. I believe she's part Asian um, tennis player. And the announcement was Naomi Osaka pulls out of tournament over continued genocide of Black people. This is coming from CNN. Her statement was, before I am an athlete, I am a black woman. And as a black woman, I feel as though there are much more important matters at hand that need immediate attention rather than watching me play tennis. So this is a young lady who has an up-and-coming career. Um, She put money to the side because, you know, the tournaments, they get paid you know, um, by the however level that they go. So she put all that to the side. She is willing to put her career on hold 
because you know you get better as each year um progresses hopefully um and so but but she said no I'm willing to put all of that on the line because I am a black woman first so I'm gonna flip that if you ladies will allow me to and say where was her supporting cast in tennis and I'm not talking about the lead I'm I'm talking about the other black tennis players i.e. Serena Williams i.e. the young lady of of, of Sloan Stevens who were playing against one another yesterday where was the supporting cast now, you know, it bothered me. It really bothered me. Because I said, this young lady, you know, she understands the significance. And, you know, um, it made me just look at the bigger picture. The sponsors and the money and the fame. But they could have made more of a statement than this young lady. You understand what I'm saying? But they told not to. And it, and it just disappointed me. Then I'm going to switch over to... Okay. First I'll go here. I'll go to the WNBA, who um, they were one of the first ones to um, stand alongside the NBA players. Um and someone, I don't know who, made a statement. It was like, you know, they bob, they just bypassed right over the WNBA. We already are fighting to make a name for ourselves. But that's just how much people do not count them. Or, you know, these black women who are, um, this is their career. This is their livelihood. This is their passion. And it's like, you know, from day one, they've been, to me, it seems like they were overlooked. And again, they're being overlooked. I want to throw that in there. So moving forward yeah. to the NBA. The NBA. Um, oh, I'll go to the MLB. And I'll say how moved I was by, and I'm getting chills now just talking about it. Jackie Robinson Day. And I forget two teams that were playing, but the 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 uh, national anthem was sung, you know, and and they went out, took their stand, they took forty two seconds in acknowledgement of Jackie Robinson. And one by one they all walked off the field. And when you looked the only thing left on the field was a Black Lives Matter t-shirt and they did that in honor of Jackie Robinson and that was the same day we lost Chadwick Boseman and I thought that was so powerful they stood there for 42 seconds they just stood there everybody stood there mm-hmm. and then they just walked off and they made a statement because Baseball, growing up, baseball was, was my father's thing. Um, my, my father, he really wanted me to be a boy. And um, because uh, his, his, his uh, oldest son, my older brother, they, his uh, their mother had taken them to Germany. So um, 
you know, he really wanted me to be a boy when I wasn't. My father did the boy things with me. So I would take, you know, I, I, I went to the Yankee games, you know, with my father. Um, went to the Dodgers game with, you know, my father and my aunt. Like, th- that that was a part, it was the American game. Like, we, we did that. So I have, mm-hmm. I love, as much as I love the NBA, I love baseball. Um, but I also know that not too many people that look like us, um, mm-hmm. not too many of us follow baseball as much. So when I say that was powerful, because I knew it was a lot more of them watching than it was us. You understand what I'm saying? Absolutely. So, y'all, y'all, y'all gonna get this statement. Y'all, y'all gonna get it one way or another. <laughs> and, you understand and, what I'm saying? Exactly. And I just want to chime in real quick. I, you know, even before the Jacob Blake, you know, I was, I, I won't lie, I was astonished when I saw the stance that NASCAR made behind Bubba Wallace. Mm-hmm. Because mm-hmm. as you stated, mm-hmm. Baseball, Major League Baseball and NASCAR are not sports that we follow closely right. as African-Americans. Right. It's not as followed by mm-hmm. us. We we, mm-hmm. we have some interest and we have players who do play, but the following is not a majority African-American fan base. Right. So, and to be quite honest, um, the MLB, Major League Baseball, and NASCAR, and hockey, um, they are very much so steeped in this stigma of, and I hate to say it like this, this is very stereotypical, but it is something that has been said, you know, behind the scenes, but they're steeped in sort of a redneck mentality. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like, Mm-hmm. That, that is mm-hmm. that that's but a lot of times stereotypically it is mm-hmm. you know Rick they, they cater to they have a redneck fan base you know and um you know my apologies for saying it like that but we just gotta talk real you know and, and that's hey, that's what we're here for yes and um so but especially NASCAR over all of them especially mm-hmm. NASCAR. Mm-hmm. Um, I would mm-hmm. say, you know, MLB and, and, and NHL were neck and neck, second, you know, but mm-hmm. but especially NASCAR. So to see mm-hmm. the stance that they took behind Bubba Wallace, to see the stance that the MLB took, it was phenomenal. I, I saw, Absolutely. and I think it was the Mets and the Dodgers who were meeting up, yeah. and they yeah. stood out there for 42 seconds. And I, I understand completely. So it was it was really to me a true turning point because African American fan base and African American players mostly dominate the NBA and the NFL. That's it. Right. And so right. when you see these stances, it doesn't come as a surprise to us to see the NBA and the NFL players make a stand. Because we've seen it before. Yes. Because we've seen it before. So, mm-hmm. when you start seeing the outreach and the pull come from the NHL or the M- mm-hmm. MLB, you know, and NASCAR, mm-hmm. 
it's like it feels like a turning point because at that point mm-hmm. they have been very clear about steering clear from any type of social right. conversation, racial conversation. Right. You know, they right. continue and they let other leagues do what they do. So to see that just felt like a major turning point. And to me, Absolutely. that's one of the things where I can say this is why it's important. Because if you can get NASCAR to remove the Confederate flag and walk around behind this one black race car driver Mm -hmm. and stand in solidarity with him Mm -hmm. over an injustice that is huge and that is extremely Mm -hmm. impactful because they're reaching the audiences that I was just talking about that we can't get to but I just wanted to insert that part to you know while you were on that part of the subject but I'm mm-hmm. going to go ahead and let mm-hmm. you finish because that, that was just one thing to me I can say if there was any proud moments that come out of this that was one that I really felt like okay this is changing minds it's changing minds right. it's, it's changing right. it's implementing thought processes and allowing people mm-hmm. to see outside of themselves so mm-hmm. I'll I, stop there and let you go back to it. Okay. And I'm going to, so I, I, I did all of that to lead up to the NBA. The National Basketball Association, which is, if anybody knows me, knows that that is like my favorite sport. And just like you said on time, this is something that we've seen before. Okay. Um, but to this level and this degree, we have not. Yes, we are seeing players now with jerseys that say Black Lives Matter. Um, we, we, you know, but um, two things I want to say about that. And then one I think is going to be uh, another segue. But, Okay. This, to know that so many people have come together um, for a common good and to still be critiqued by people that actually look like us. Um, and then I didn't know, this is something I just found out, I don't, I don't know if you guys are aware, but when um, the Lakers, when, when the team started um suspending games you know they they sat out I didn't know that Kenny Anderson actually got up and walked out of the booth like I you know I'm protesting too you know what I mean um and then you had people like a Charles Barkley you know that were like what, what is he doing you know with the, the the naysayers as I called them um and it's like really sir really you know what I mean this man is showing his solidarity with the players and the most you could do is talk about what he's doing you know you may not have liked what he did but show some support okay um i'm also kind of troubled and again remember i keep saying this because i wanted to be i wanted to be understood i love the game of basketball when i look I'm a little disappointed again because y'all, yep. In my opinion, 
and this is me, stay right back playing. So you easily went back into that role, you know, and I know there was some pressure put on them, although they did make a powerful statement. I think that it could have been more, but I'll take it. I'll take it. That was just my personal opinion, you know. Um, And with that being said, I have another statement that I want to read. This one um, I thought was real, real powerful. And it comes from Sam Quinn of CBS. He says, the NBA is a multi-billion dollar corporation run largely by white guys. Uh, Let me go back and say Sam Quinn is a white man. Okay. Disney relies on the NBA. Time Warner relies on the NBA. Nike relies on the NBA. They are largely run by white people. You want to know what a boycott accomplishes? It pressures them to do the right thing. And I saw that and I was like, oh my God. And that's when I called you, Untamed. And I was like, we've got to talk about this. We've got to talk about this. Because what he said is right. I didn't realize that Disney relied on NBA. I had no clue. You know, Time Warner. Oh, yeah, because people are paying, you know, for cable. And if you can't bring forth the the games, then you're not, you know, getting the ratings. You're not getting money. Okay. Nike. Well, we know Nike because people run out and... Um, buy the sneakers of their favorite players. We've all done it for our children, our nieces, grandchildren, however. Okay? But yes, he said they are largely run by white people. It pressures them to do the right thing. And I, I was like, that is so, so, so powerful. I was about to say, I, I opened the door for either one of you ladies to comment on that. And I'm going to let Kay Roche, uh, you know, respond to it as well. So, Kay Roche, what are your thoughts on that part? Yeah, I, that's definitely true. Um, I think we we have to understand at the end of the day that money, money makes the world go round. And when mm-hmm. you are trying to seek change, um, if you started hitting them in the pocket, Mm-hmm. It's gonna make a difference because when you think about when you when you can really trigger people, trigger their money supply. You know, mm-hmm. me, tri- trigger the way that they uh, take care of their family. Um, we can see, you know, throughout these past few months of the pandemic, how how upset people are, business owners. You know, from the loss of money, loss of profit. They're all about um, they're all about numbers in America. All about numbers. And even if we go back to when they did the boycott in Montgomery, um, we see that, I don't, you know, we during that day and time, I can't think that that change came about just because people got to change of heart and they felt like us sitting in the front of the bus was the right thing. It was the, it was the loss of income, you know? That's what I'm right. It was the loss of income. And that, and that's one yeah. thing I try to stress to people is that you have to understand that our money matters. It really mm-hmm. matters, and it makes a difference when you stop supporting certain businesses and you stop supporting certain things. That's how they—that's their livelihood. That's how they take care mm-hmm. of their families. 
And if you're uh-huh. going to affect how I take care of my family, I'm going to do the same to you. And uh-huh. that's why I tell people, Absolutely. if we if we can just stick together, if we really, really want to see change, it's, it's not one of these things that we just have to hope for and we pray that it happens. We can actually do it. You know, but it, it just takes us coming together and saying enough is enough because we pay these people's salary. People, a lot of these companies, Nike and all that stuff, let's be real. We 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 are what make these companies a success. We are the, you know, the athletes on the floor wearing the shoes. We are the ones wearing their, you know, their sporting gear and the jerseys and yeah. all the things that they profit yeah. off of. So... That makes a difference, and I, I want, I try to, you know, really, really emphasize the point that just because, you know, a lot of the athletes are, you know, making these points, we also need to look at the ones that are not saying anything as well. You need to come on now. Look at these celebrities that are not saying anything because keep in mind when they when it's time for concert time, who who's standing in front of who's buying the tickets. To support their money, their livelihood. So you, if you can't stand up for me, I'm not going to be there to support you. You know, and we've seen time and time again, a lot of these people will, with this, you know, we have this council culture. They'll say something out of line and then we'll be, oh, they council. You know, we won't support you and stuff like that. Stuff like that and the impact of social media, that's going to make a difference as well. And I tell if, right. if you see something and you hear celebrities say something that is not conducive to our our people, the ones that support them and support their brand and their business, we need to know about it because I won't spend a dime. I'm quick to say, oh, mm-hmm. okay, cool. Let me let me make sure I retweet this. Let me make sure I do my part in getting out their sentiments because at the end of the day, you're blessed to have this platform. Yes. But if you are too scared to use it for the greater good of society, you don't need it. That's right. Absolutely. That's right. And and you know, I um I wanna piggyback on what you said because my own personal story with that was this and I shared this on Facebook and, and I'm and I'm one hundred percent behind you when you talk about the power, our spending power, the power of our dollar. Because African-Americans own less and spend more than any other race in America. And that's just the bottom line truth. Um, And we spend it mostly on white owned or other owned, Asian owned, you know, businesses. So, Mm -hmm. you know, my personal story is, y'all know, anybody know me, know I love Kobe Bryant. You know, it just, it tore me up when he passed, but I I don't fan out over a whole lot of celebrities. You might see me fan out over authors more than celebrities, but um, I fan, I don't fan out over a lot of celebrities, but Kobe Bryant is the one who I truly admired and I just, just a diehard fan of him. He is, will always be one. But I shared, you know, about Mamba Week uh, because August the 24th was being um, Kobe Bryant Day in Calabasas, California, Orange County. And so that week, Nike said, we're going to go a step further and make this week uh, Mamba Week. So every day, 
I was sharing quotes or sharing something about Kobe Bryant across my social media platforms. And I had someone on Twitter tweet me and said, hey, check out our Kobe Bryant, I believe it was a mug or a coffee cup, like it was they designed it and stuff. Well, I'm very cognizant now more than ever before about where my spending power is going. So it was very, okay, I, I get you. I feel you. Thank you for tweeting me about your cup, but let me go check out your company because I want to find out who it's owned by and, you know, what you support and what you represent. I go and I find out it's the white guy. That's fine and dandy, but then the next thing I see when I go on his Etsy page is a Trump 2020 cup that he makes. Absolutely um, not. Mm, Absolutely mm, not. Mm. You won't get my dollar. I don't support Trump. You can support him if you want to. That's your choice because you have the right to vote whichever way you want to. And I won't argue that point with you. But what you won't get from me is support from me when you support that. And because for me and for several of us, this election is not about left or right. It's not about Democrat or Republican. It's about sheer bottom line right and wrong in humanity yeah. because you know I, I would almost vote for my dog to sit in this seat if he could bark with equality you know than mm-hmm. I would for mm-hmm. the man that's sitting there and you know and it's just bothersome so you know my thing is this you I, I saw a quote that summed it up perfectly you might not be a racist if you voted for Trump, but you decided that racism was not a deal breaker and that it was okay when you did. Mm-hmm. And to me, like you said, above the people who talk the talk, you also have to watch the people for silence because your silent support of him speaks more volumes to me than you outright saying that you know you don't like the Black Lives Matter movement or you don't like the protesters you know the ones who are very vocal about their stands those are not the ones I'm worried about what I'm worried about is the ones who will sit here and eat dinner with you invite you to their house you know have work with you and talk with you and be with your family and then behind closed doors at the kitchen table they have all of this extraness to sight, you know, mm-hmm. amongst themselves. Mm-hmm. They vote mm-hmm. this way, not because, well, I, I mm-hmm. agree with his politics, but I agree with his morality, you know. Mm-hmm. And that's mm-hmm. the part that bothers me. So, mm-hmm. like you said, but like both of you ladies have said, we have to know and understand the power of our dollar, you know, I, I I get, and I'm with you, Diane. I wish they had a press more. They said that when they talked to the Players Association, there were some things that they worked out as far as different grassroots organizations that the NBA was going to support. And so they felt comfortable coming back. I wish they would have waited a little while longer. But okay, mm-hmm. nevertheless, like you, that's my personal opinion. Mm-hmm. But I think they understand, and those companies understand that right, they're by, you know, they're power monetary time warner like you said it's a cable company 
if you don't have anything on TV, you can't make money. I can't tell you how many people have canceled cable because they have not been able to produce new content. Because what are they doing? That's they're right. going to Netflix, they're going to Hulu, they're going yep. to Amazon Prime. Yep. Cause it's it's definitely much them. cheaper. Mm-hmm. It's much cheaper mm-hmm. and it's nothing to throw a movie on. And, mm-hmm. you know, we have new content coming out daily. Netflix mm-hmm. and Amazon Prime have absolutely taken advantage of it by giving black creators yes. dominance right now and yes. allowing and, yes. and putting money towards black creative scripts mm-hmm. and writing and TV shows and movies and they are locked into it. Um, Disney is another one. Disney cannot, of course, theaters not out there not making the money from the big screen pictures so they had to go to more digitized through the app. Well, they also know in this competition with sports, they're not going to win out over getting the NBA, the, sun, the uh, Sunday ticket or the, or the NBA or NFL game pass. They're not going to win out on that. That is something that they had to merge with. So it impacts them because Disney said, okay, in order to bring it back, we have to make sure the players are safe. So you all come and you we, we have, we'll create this combine of sports for you where they can stay here amongst each other. They don't have to go out into the public. We'll make sure that they get fed. We'll make sure they get quarantined. And so they can play these games on these grounds. We'll provide the financial support, the things you all need to move forward. And so Disney mm-hmm. made, you know, a great play with that. So them not playing definitely hurts Disney because think about all the money they have had to pour into bringing the league back just to be able to make the dollars they make from it, from having it being featured on television. You know, so Mm -hmm. it's Mm -hmm. things like that that we don't consider, you know, and, and that's what we have to understand. People, you know, you know, when we think about our dollar, we think of right now, but we have to think about the end game because that's what they're thinking about. They think about the long game and the end game. In the end, how am I going to come out of this pandemic? You know, what do I need to do to set up for the future so that this company can continue to make money? Nike understands that from the beginning. They have always been a step ahead as far as mm-hmm. supporting social mm-hmm. and racial injustice. And if you watch the Michael Jordan documentary, they really had no choice because Michael Jordan was the one who basically created, made their brand the multi-million dollar, billion dollar brand they are. They were a small mm-hmm. upstart. Adidas was the company back then. Michael Jordan wanted to sign a deal with Adidas. Adidas was not going to pay him what he wanted to get paid because he was on the climb in his career, but he wasn't at that level of stardom quite yet where they were, well, he mm-hmm. could sit there and name his dollar amount. So he named mm-hmm. his dollar amount and Adidas kicked their feet around because they were like, we right. don't know, we don't know. And so Nike said, hey, we're new. We're trying to get, our, you know, make our market and market. We, we're struggling mm-hmm. financially, but if you help, you know, if you do this, we'll be able to pay you. We just want to get our, you know, our feet in the door. And so he took a lesser deal with Nike because Adidas was kicking their feet around. And then all of a sudden what happened? He blew up as an athlete in an right. every rap video and in every movie. 
it in every everything hip hop culture related. You saw the Nike swoosh. You saw Space Jam. You saw all of this stuff. And Nike blew up and took the number one spot. And they hadn't looked back since the 80s. <laughs> so, we, if we use that example alone, it is 2020. They were a startup when they signed Michael Jordan as their spokesperson. Mm-hmm. That was in the 80s. They've been number one since. And that in and of itself should speak volume to the power of our likeness, to the power Mm -hmm. of our dollar, to the power of what we spend. And I will even segue over to this. Because of what they're doing now, in recent times, it it has impacted, you know, not even just the league, but the owner. Um... Robert Kraft, who owns the Patriots, is best friends with Donald Trump. Openly mm. best friends with him. Mm. He pledged a million dollars to Grassroots Foundations during all of the aftermath, you know, what was going on with the protesting because the kneeling was causing a financial problem. Mm-hmm. And like you mm-hmm. said, of course it was. It was causing a financial problem because they were losing viewership from the left and to the right. So, mm-hmm. all of those people who were, you know, who were like, yeah, I'm not watching the game this year and all of that good stuff, we might not have had the money to go and have season passes, but that's not where the crux of their money comes from. And I tell people all the time, don't let those people right. fool you. The crux of that money comes from TV viewership. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Those of us who sit at home and, and pay a hundred dollars for this Sunday ticket. You know what I'm saying? That's right. That's, that's right. That's, that's where you better it comes say it. From. You better say that's it. That's where it you comes from. You better say it. Exactly. So, so if you're not watching television, you're not watching games. They're not making money. And guess what? Mm-hmm. Contractually, they have an obligation to pay everybody that is under their tab. From the football mm-hmm. players to the administrative staff to the people who sweeping mm-hmm. the floor in their stadium. You got mm-hmm. an obligation to pay. Mm-hmm. And one man thing, cleaning the bathroom. Mm-hmm. There you go. One thing you're not going to do is get yourself financially strapped to be mm-hmm. able to be indebted to all of those people or get your team yanked from your family lineage. That's not happening. Mm-hmm. So what do we need to do? How much money do I need to throw your way to help make this cause work? You know, even Michael Jordan jumped up and he was like, you know, he stayed neutral while he was playing. He donated $100 million to the Black Lives Matter movie at grassroots. He has, and he has put it to work. He has already started with his donation. But he's given $100 million to these platforms. So, these athletes, these owners, it makes a difference. It is definitely something that's needed. And it's not needed not just because people say, oh, well, they're just taking a stance and they're not playing ball. They know the end game. They know why they're not showing up on that court matters. They know why they're not showing up at that stadium matters. Because mm-hmm. if I'm not there, you may be paying me, but in the end, I'm paying you more than you paying me. Because you need mm-hmm. You mm-hmm. need me to make your money. I might need mm-hmm. you to make mine, but I can go ahead to be honest with you, we got enough power to go make our own league. Okay? Yep. 
<laughs> so let's not get it twisted. We got enough millionaires who can get together and do their own thing. But let's just start here. Rather than go off and do our own thing, what can you do? Because at the end, it's not that it's separation that's wanted. It's the point. And it, it even may not, for some people, be integration. But we want equality. We want you to respect our basic human rights. We want you to treat mm-hmm. us properly, treat us fairly, and just do unto others, to us as you do unto others. That's it. That's it. And yep, it seems and like that, that, that message is so hard sometimes to understand. But you ladies, we're going to take a quick break right here. Um, because when we come back, I, I, I touched on the president, the current president of the United States, um, 45. And um, it's bothersome to me that he calls professional athletes that want to talk about equality and basic human rights and, you know, Black Lives Matter as bastards and say they need to be fired like as if he could replace them. Um, and then sit here and defend the Kenosha killer, the uh, the 17-year-old thug who went over and killed those protesters and saying that um, people attacked him first. And he was trying to protect businesses that he... Protect businesses. I'm, I'm going to leave it at that. So we're going to segue off of this mentality of, from his perspective, that a peaceful protesters are bastards and causing unnecessary uproar because, in his words, he does not believe there is any systemic racism. And um, move over to what happened in Kenosha. But we'll be right back in just a moment. know reading is fundamental. When you visit KB's Bookshelf, you can find books in multiple genres to entertain and educate. Writers can even find literary services of value to their success, like our ever-popular manuscript critique and book review. Reading allows us to escape, explore, and share our experiences. I hope you'll visit us today at www.kbsbookshelf.com and allow us to take you on your next adventure. author, content creator, and live streamer. For books and more, visit my website, www.jctheauthor.net. For my live streams, such as my author interviews and the Three-Headed Monster live streams, please visit me on IG and Twitter at jcstoryteller. Also on YouTube as well as Facebook, facebook.com backslash jctheauthor. Salute. Are you ready to make a difference? Join Two Clicks for Justice campaign as we seek to bring forth awareness and change for women of African descent who continue to face injustices and inequalities in today's society. Follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Two Clicks for Justice. Silence is no longer an option. My name is Diane Rembert. 
avid reader, award-winning literary blogger, and the founder of Diamonds Literary World, which can be found on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, Snapchat, and www.diamondsliteraryworld.com. This is author, poet, playwright, and founder of Me Time Book Club, Kay Roche. Check out my latest novel, All Things Work Out Well, wherever books are sold. You can also follow me on Instagram at k.roche. Book reviews matter. Now back to the show. Guys, we are back. Welcome back to the Get Caught Up podcast. And I am your lovely host, Untamed. And I am joined by my two lovely co-hosts, Ms. Kayla Shea and Ms. Diane. Before the break, we were discussing the importance of protests and sports and the impact of its importance and you know if we thought it was important and of course we think that it's very necessary um at the end of that we have an administration who has vilified pro athletes for their stance and i think that that was an important note to speak on because these pro athletes are making positive segues they are they are doing things that are affecting their own, you know, livelihood in order to bring about equality, bring about peace. They're not rioting. They are sacrificing their careers and their money um, because they see and they know that they serve a greater good. And they see and they know that they have the platform and the power to do so. But then he defends people like recently... Um, how and I cannot get his last name out right now, but I, I call him the Kenosha Killer because that's what he did. He lived in Illinois with his mother. She drove him, his mother Wendy, she drove him to the protest where he shot with an assault rifle at 17, where he shot three people. Two died, one was seriously injured. And I say that, you know, I'm not being she's facetious when I say he's Kenosha killer because I want to just say that you have people who have started petitions to you know say oh well he was defending America he was you know defending rights and businesses that he don't own let's start there um in another state which he did not live and I say that to say if this had been a person of color they would have been a thug. We would have heard all of this negativity around them. Nobody wanted to talk about, you know, his backstory, anything about him, other than he was being a patriot and he wanted to be a police officer. Well, now let's just discuss him being wanted to be a police officer at 17 because, see, I, I'm one that likes to hear the whole truth and nothing but like everybody else. And since they want to bring out the rap sheet, on our good people anytime something happens. 
let's discuss his. In 2016, he was arrested and charged with possession of drug paraphernalia, which was dismissed. In 2016, he was arrested and charged with possession of THC, which is an illegal drug, which was dismissed. In 2016, he was arrested and charged with disorderly conduct. Um, in 2016, which he was guilty because he didn't answer a plea. Let me make sure I state that. In 2016, he was um, charged with operating a firearm while intoxicated. That was in 2016 to 2020, and he's only 17 in 2020. But in 2016, he was operating a firearm while intoxicated, which you have to be 21 to drink. Let me just say that. Those charges were dropped. 2018, he was um, arrested for disobeying officers. And in 2018, failure to obey traffic officers or signals, he was arrested. Those two charges were dropped. So, start with you, Karen What is your opinion in regards to how people like our pro athletes get deemed as bastards and vilified for their efforts for equality and true patriotism versus 17-year-old Thuggish Kyle and his co-conspirator Mother Wendy driving to Wisconsin um, to with, with an assault rifle to basically do what he did and that harm others and kill others. What is your opinion on that? It, it it really goes back to that narrative of the hypocrisy, hypocrisy that we see in America. Um, there's always that justification for um, shooting, especially um, when the perpetrator is white. And when I saw the press conference where Trump mentioned this this um, this incident, the thing that really struck me was I wasn't surprised because that's his base. He's not going to go against his base, especially now with the election um, coming up. So uh, in the next few, in the next what month and a half or so, um, he knows that he, his base is is geared toward white patriot, white supremacist organizations. He's, he he cares more about their support than he does about the lives that were lost at this shooting. And you know we see it time and time again. Anytime there's anything where a, a white young person takes an AK-47 rifle or whatever type of rifle he used, there's always a change in the narrative. There's always going to be the news media reporting him as everything other than what he was or is as a murderer. And I really, really, you know, have, have been debating in a lot, on a lot of, you know, major news sites that post with different people because they keep making excuses and it's always an excuse it's always a reason why there's always you know a way to justify when they when this happens but they never ever see the the hypocrisy and within the statements of all lives matter you know it's kind of like you you are you are saying one thing um, is wrong, but you're agreeing with something else that is wrong. But you're agreeing with it because you're trying to make this this incident be the cause. Well, this wouldn't happen if you know the sheriff there. I believe it was the sheriff or 
I don't know, he may have been like the police, a police detective, I'm not sure who he was, um, made the statement that, well, they, it was a um, ordinance set in place. There was a curfew and they were out after the curfew. So literally, you know, victimizing the victim saying, you know, well, if they weren't out there, they wouldn't have got shot. You know, taking the limelight off of this person that has literally been driven across state lines with a rifle. And I think the intention was to shoot somebody, to be honest. I don't buy he was going there to, to protect and nothing like that. Nothing about his past and his history says that to me. And if we want to be honest, we know that we're not treated the same in media anyway. And the thing that really, really gets me is the fact that this shooting is being so dismissive um, by the media. They're just dismissing it because of the fact that they're blaming the people that are protesting for this. It's being dismissed like, well, you know, it, they're rioting, they're this and they're that. The victims now, that nobody else was, was shooting him. You know, there was no, it wasn't like he walked in and there were all of these people that were armed and pointing their guns and shooting at him. That wasn't the scenario, but that's the scenario that they play. And, you know, it, to me, the whole thing is, is that we, we understand that we have this situation where we are under attack in America. And the reason why it's being dismissed highly by white society is because it does, it's not their problem. They do not care about the fact that this is happening to us because it's not happening to them. Change the scenario and have a group of white protesters out and a black 17-year-old travel across state lines with a rifle and they attack him. Literally, let's see he, he, let's see it on film where he was literally attacked and he grabbed his gun and shot and tell me what you think the scenario would be in the media. It wouldn't matter if he was attacked or not because in America, we're not looked at as people that are supposed to defend ourselves. We're looked at as people that are, mm-hmm. are property and we're supposed to just take it. You know, at the end of the day, that's how we are perceived. You don't supposed to speak up. You don't supposed to have anything to say because this is not our America. This is their America. This is their country. And anything that we do that goes against their white privilege that that's the issue for them absolutely and I agree with you and my thing is this you know sometimes I I would challenge the people who are around at the time typically the media because we have press conferences it's only going to be the people that's in charge and the media and I just wish that sometimes when they're in those settings and he said and he actually said, you know, if they had not been out there, this might not would have happened. So, okay, you're saying that the protesters hadn't been out there when it happened, and it was a curfew. Wasn't that 17-year-old supposed to be abiding by the same curfew? Why was he out there? Right. Right. If he hadn't been out there, they wouldn't have got shot. Because the same people who were protesting, as you say, was, you know, disobeying the ordinance. That same 17-year-old and that mother that drove across state lines was also not in coordinates with the ordinance and had no business out there. If none of them had right. no business out there, then none of them had no business out there. Because 
even if the protesters was out there. And then let's also be clear about this. One is not inclusive of the other. The protesters could have been out there all day. That's in Kenosha, Wisconsin. That boy lives in Antioch, Illinois. What did he have to do with Kenosha, Wisconsin? No. Right. He could have stayed over there anyway, where he was at, in his house. So it wouldn't have happened if his mama and him wouldn't have got they tail in a car with a rifle and drove to the protest, got out, walked the street with the open firearm and shot at three people and killed them. That's why it wouldn't have happened. Because those protests could have gone on without that happening had he not gotten that call. So let's let's not sit here and say, oh, if they wouldn't have been out there, it wouldn't have happened. No. If he would have gotten his car, it wouldn't have happened. That's what wouldn't have happened. So there have been protests in Portland, Oregon. There have been protests in Georgia, North Carolina, Minnesota, all over the all over the United States. He didn't drive over there. He didn't call nobody from that protest called Kyle and Wendy and said, get in your car and come over here. Now the police officer over there called him. You didn't have no business over there. But I'm going to kick it off to that end because I, I want to get your opinion on it. Because I'll fire up in a minute. <laughs> and that's okay. And that's okay. Um, my thoughts are pretty much, they've, they've already been stated. Um, but I'm going to go a step further. Um, my concern um, is nobody's taking into account uh, the the particip- the the I'll use it, these two words again supporting cast because this boy and that's what he is the boy he acted he did not act alone okay. He, for, I didn't know about his record, but I, I just, I sat back and I'm just listening and I was trying to add up the years. So you're telling me that this boy has been a meddlesome um, for all of his teenage years, all of them. Um, and knowing that... <laughs> Uh, I'll say this let me step off and say this and then I'll come back when they went to the home and they went into the boys computer all of this uh, blue lives matter you know and all of this stuff that his parents knew that he was into okay so I'll jump back on the bandwagon Knowing that he was a troubled teen, uh-huh. his mother got dressed. She went to the gas station and gassed up her vehicle because I want people to understand that the car didn't travel on air. And this, it didn't right, travel on right. fumes. Right. She had to prepare. Mm-hmm. That that that's where I'm going, Kayla. That's where I'm going. Okay. Mm-hmm. She gassed up the car. 
Mm-hmm. Now, your trouble team, again, let's talk about the fact that it was an assault rifle. I'm not understanding. Did he hold it to your head and force you to drive him across state lines? Did, did he? I don't think so. Cause, but it's some, in the back of my mind, I, I do feel like she feared him a little bit. I do. I want to say she did. Because, come on now, we'd have been like, do what? You ain't going nowhere. Matter of fact, go sit your tail down somewhere. You know, but you took this boy and his assault rifle across state lines. Okay. And while he was out there protecting the country, you sat in your car knowing that this boy was out there with an assault rifle. We point the finger at at the other participant, which is the mama. I don't know about the daddy, but the mama who drove him there. And so now he has not only um, killed two people, but he has severely injured yet another one. Where's her responsibility in this? And why is she not being charged with anything? My point. See, Mm -hmm. because if, if it had been us, if it had been one of ours, first of all, we wouldn't have been at the funeral that they would have been having for our son because they would have killed them. That part. Uh-huh. All right. Second of all, ain't nobody gonna be giving our son water for shooting nobody. All right. Uh-huh. Um, and they would have came, probably turned over the car, you know, had us in handcuffs if we weren't killed, and would have and would have ransacked our home. So my issue is how much are we gonna take? How you know they say, oh. Um, they got the boy in custody and they arrested him and they're going to press charge. That's not, I'm not satisfied with that. That's not enough. It's not enough. And, but it goes to that white privilege. Mm-hmm. And it's disgusting. And to know that you have someone in quote unquote a leadership position and you're trying to and I'm not just talking about Agent Orange because I can't even deal with him anymore. But the the uh, officer that Kay Rochet was talking about, you know, that, that with with no hesitation, you hold a news conference and you say, well, they shouldn't have been there. They were out past curfew. Well, I'll be, you know... And it's like they're defending this boy. Who? To be a police officer. This troubled team. And, and so it's almost like you're praising him. Then to go as far as to have people to donate money for his legal defense fund. I'm very oh. appalled and I'm very offended. And it's I'm, again, I'm going to say it's disgusting. It's disgusting. And this is our reality. And people wonder why we're so passionate about what we're passionate about. They wonder why we have to have segments or we have to have platforms such as this. Because if we follow them up, oh, we'll be out there, you know, 
I don't care who you are. I don't care what you look like. You know, you got to go. But see, we've got to air it out. And in the process, we've got to see others. We've got to get others to see our point of view. That yes, that some people are awakening. Black, white, blue, you know, Jew, Gentile, Muslim. Some people are waking up. But what's being done? What the, the systematic racism has to stop? It has to yes. stop Go ahead, Carol Shea. No, I was agreeing. I said, it, yeah, it does have to stop. You're absolutely right. Yeah. yeah. It, exactly. And, you know, and I will even go as far as to say, in my opinion, I, I, I don't feel like his mother was scared of him. I think that she was, honestly, she might have been a mastermind or a ringleader. Because she definitely was the encourager, the motivator. Um, because, and I say that because she sat in her car. You were in the middle of a protest with thousands of police officers. Mm-hmm. If mm-hmm. you were scared of mm-hmm. your child, and when he got out that mm-hmm. car, I'd have got out of the car too and ran to the first police officer. I said, My son is out here with a gun. He held it to my head. I'm scared. I need y'all to go get him because I feel like he's going to do something. As a mother, even if I was scared, I don't want my child. I know he's troubled, and I might be scared of him, but what I'm more scared of is that I don't want my child to hurt somebody else and either lose his life through death or lose his life through imprisonment because he goes and does something that he can't take back. So the mere fact but, but that can I, oh, ooh, go ooh, ahead, go ahead. Go I'm ahead, sorry. Go ahead, go ahead. I'm going to interject. But in your opinion, based on based on that record you read at for such a young age, wasn't he lost anyway? Already lost, and that and and that was my thing. He was already lost, and that's why I feel like it was encouraged. Because what help had you sought for your child at all for all of the stuff that he was doing? He came out of guns himself. He absolutely couldn't buy them guns himself. Who bought them? So, it was one of those things where he's a product of his own environment, in my opinion. He's a product of his parents. His parents might not have been, you know, full-scale vigilantes like that to go out there and want to just do all of that stuff, but they absolutely encouraged it. One. Absolutely. Yes. They were enablers. Yes. They enabled him and encouraged him and motivated him and drove him across the line. I'm sorry. And, you know, it got to the point, if it got to the point even, that you were going to, because like you said, you had to prepare for this because you had to go and get some gas. When you was going to get gas, when he gave you this idea, it is somewhere that you could have snuck off for your two seconds to call somebody to say, look, this was going on. I need you to meet me there. Matter of fact, beat me there. Just yeah, because she had to have GPS, you know, to drive to the riot. She had to have GPS something. 
You know, she didn't just let the car leave her there. That's why I said there was a lot of preparation made um, before this this was done. And nobody's talking about that. Exactly. And and like you said, you didn't know the record of this of this of this um of this child, you know, and I'm not dismissing him because at some point as you get older you just simply know right from wrong. Now I advocate all the time a seventeen year old is not gonna be as mature as a thirty year old, but your seventeen year old know right from wrong. And if they don't know right from wrong, it's something you didn't do or that you did do wrong as a parent and teaching them. Mm-hmm. At six at, at twenty sixteen, you just seventeen in twenty twenty. And in twenty sixteen, your child is being arrested for drug paraphernalia, THC, intoxication while operating a firearm. And while he got a firearm in twenty sixteen, while he got one in twenty twenty. I have a problem with that. I have a it problem with that. It goes back, yes, it goes back to what we talked about um, maybe about a month or so ago about how um, they, it's almost like a staple that um, you go in the backyard or in the woods, you know, and you learn to shoot you know, probably as soon as a gun, you, you can hold a gun in your hand. That's how they're taught. They're taught to hunt. They're taught to shoot. That This is what they're taught, okay? So, That's true. It, you know, it, it, it was probably nothing, you know, oh, he, he has, yeah, he has artillery. Yeah, it's because, you know, we, 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 we had to teach him how to protect the family, you know, and, 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 and protect himself so again, I blame the family, the supporting cast. I blame them. Absolutely, absolutely. I, that's I, true. I just, you know. mm-hmm. Go ahead, Kevin. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's what I was saying. That's true. Um, and I, I, you know, I tell you all that I frequent the gun range, and that's that's who's there. Um, it's not, it's not. I don't see a lot of African Americans. Period. It's, 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 it's white people with their children and their and their wives, and that's all you see. And I mean, small kids, like probably eight, you know, nine. Yes. You know, yes. Right. That is a pastime for them. They when you um. I don't know if I mentioned this, but when I went to the gun range um, uh, one time, the the guy that um, actually was showing me how to um, to shoot, when I tell you he had like 16, 17 different types of guns in the back of his truck, like this is what they buy. That's why they are so against anything that goes against, you know, their right to protect themselves because they love guns. They have gun shows. I'm talking about this is a part of literally their culture. It's guns. And they have them and their kids have them. And and they, like you said, they take them out there, they shoot. Now, I'm from the country, so that that was me. That was me growing up, you know, having my own rifle and going hunting and stuff. But they do this 
as a pastime. Like this is a hobby. Yes. And they, yes. they don't have this like most 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 black households that I know, we, we might have about two or three guns. You know, we might have a gun that we keep in our car and a gun at home. That's pretty much might be all of our guns. I'm talking about guns with a Z on the end, not an S. they have like ar-15 times three all kind of rifles that we we would never even begin to imagine about even buying because we don't feel like we need need them like that we just want something right that we know how to personal protection right personal protection but that's why they are so up in arms anytime you mention taking their guns away because these people have like trope uh, gun cabinets and they have and this is what they buy and this is what they do they got gun rooms they have gun rooms exactly Mm -hmm. and and you know Mm -hmm. it it just amazes me like I, i always say we have to we have to know that this is not a game when 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 anything happens where it's us against them believe me they gonna be ready (laughs) they gonna gonna be ready we best be trying to get ready (laughs) and that's it and that and that's it and that's it right there and i'm gonna say this i want to say this and i want to make this very clear to anyone who is listening we are not promoting um, any type of gun use. However, we are talking about something that is real, something that is very necessary, okay? In these days and times, now, it is our right to bear arms. We do understand that, okay? And it is so important. I'm going to take this. Uh, this is going, I'm going left here for a minute, ladies, but I need you guys to follow me for a minute. As women, a lot of times we discourage um, having a weapon in the home. Oh, can't have that around the kids. Oh, you know, uh, somebody's temper. I am, and I was one of those women. I'm I'm not going to sit here and tell no tale. But baby, okay, (laughs) here we are, 2020, okay? This comes from having son. This comes. I am fully in support of having weapons. I'm gonna tell you something. I, I, I well, I ain't gonna go there, but I'm gonna just say my children were very persuasive in me changing my mind. And 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 and, and all I'm saying is you come, you come for me and mine, and you and and and, and, and it's gonna be a problem. That's all I'm saying. So we have to, K. Rochelle said it perfectly. They stay ready, and we steady trying to get ready. Now is the time. Y'all need to stop going out there buying them thousand dollar shoes and, hmm. and, and, and go and register yeah. some weapons up in that house. Like huh? I, and I'm Y'all tell you right stop. now, hmm. and I will tell you right now, I, I am an advocate because at the same time, what we as you know above us. Let me start here. Let's back up a second because, you know, I think a lot of the stigma is that sometimes we also get stuck in the fact because we're not treated as humans or have rights in America that sometimes we react that way. You know, sometimes we we, we get so, we're so bogged down in it 
through history that we sometimes even don't understand or, you know, miscalculate or misthink the fact that we have these same undeniable rights. Do I have the right to bear arms too? Black Americans. That's right. You know, That's right. Saying? So we do we have to get us to the mindset. Like when I was growing up, my, my parents used to always say the funny saying that uh, they used to say all the time is, I pay taxes. You pay taxes. Hmm. You pay taxes. It is too, your right. It is your right. Uh, we, it's your right. We have overcome. <laughs> we have. <laughs> we have Thank overcome. You. And we, it's, no, that part we don't even overcame. Now we still try to overcome some other stuff, but we don't overcame that. We got right. Okay. Right. The, the, the next thing that always used to pop up, I got my rights. I got my rights too. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. I, at the same mm-hmm. time. One thing that I will assuredly say on September the 16th, my husband and I will have been married for 20 years. The first thing that my husband did with me is said, after he put the ring on my finger, okay, and then I went to the gun range for him, okay, we're going to get you a gun, and you get you about to be mm. a registered, uh, uh, you know, a licensed gun on. Thankfully, we were new. I have been a licensed gun owner going on 20 years. I am licensed. Mm. Who cares? Mm. And I care. <laughs> so, understand. I, 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 you, it is very important. It is not something that I, you know, I freely advertise. It ain't even something that, you know, I'm exactly. going Exactly. Because it's not for that. But it is for the right. protection of me and my family. Oh, perfect. Because guess protection what? Of as long as right. I, I, I have the same equal rights under the Second Amendment, bear arms, and mm-hmm. as long as Georgia standing their ground, I'm standing my ground too. <laughs> <laughs> because <laughs> okay. what's not going to happen is <laughs> you think you just going to roll up somebody over here. No, it's not, not going to do, we're not doing that. You know what I'm saying? So, yes, absolutely. I train my children to shoot. They don't own guns. They won't get one to the legal old number one. They can get a gun like Legally, that. Legally, that's right. That, that's right. That's what they do. You know, that's right. you're, you're going to know this stuff because it is your right. And we have to right. understand that Though we have things that we we have to fight for, there are certain things that we have and we need to embrace it the same way they do. You know, um, and 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 I would say my husband often laughs at me because he said you quick to write a letter or call a complaint or call into the city or the government about the state about something. I pay taxes. I can write a letter just as good as anybody else can write a letter. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And, and I will mm-hmm. do that. That is my right. Yes, no, I don't support some of the people who is in the legislative office, but you know, when they call and do them robocalls and they, they ask you, they send them quiz and put it on so they can put your phone number, your email address in there because they send out surveys. How do you feel about this? Oh, you're going to catch my opinion today because you're not here just to serve one side. You're here to serve me too. Uh-uh, let me write you a letter and tell you what, what I feel about this that's going on in the community today. Um, Matter of fact, as a matter of fact, 
I won't even lie. When they called me on the robocall, I done saved their number in here. Oh, oh, this is the number for Congressman Rick Allen. I'm going to save it. I didn't vote for you, but since you in office, let me tell you what's going, what you're going to hear from me today. You know? Mm. You have to mm-hmm. exercise the same right that they do. And don't think that you are not entitled to it. You are entitled to every single right. That's right. That's right. And they are. And you That's have right. to embrace it. And you have to practice it. And you have to learn it. And you have to, you have to know it. And mm-hmm. you need to teach it to your children. Mm-hmm. And That's to right. And to your village. And to your community. Mm-hmm. Because mm-hmm. that's the only way you can combat what's going on when it comes to social and racial injustice. It's the only way. And, um, yeah. But go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. Um, I was going to say, and and I think what I think your point goes also back to the to the the whole fear mongering, where that fear is placed in us that we we can't um, do That's that right. and feel comfortable. You know that That's right. I, I remember there was an older guy. Um, I don't know where I was. I, I think I was probably at the convenience store somewhere, and um, at the time he had a. Um, weapon on him and um we you know how you just casually have a conversation in line and i was saying how i work in the bank and um you know how a lot of the customers come in with their guns on them and he said but they don't look like me do they and i said nope they don't he said he said if if more people came in that look like you and me with those guns they wouldn't be able to come in the bank like this and so that's and he's right he's right it is not a problem when they do it because the whole mindset is that America is for them. When the laws mm-hmm. were written, we weren't a part of those laws. We were slaves. We never were in, intended to to embrace these laws that they they hold so true and dear to their hearts because they it it's not it wasn't ever for us. You know, we were supposed to be slaves, and that's it. They didn't see during that time beyond that. That's all they saw. So. When we get into, you know, us trying to practice these rights that we have, that's why we get mm-hmm. so much backlash all the time. Like, when we protest, oh, you don't need to protest doing it here. You can't protest because you're you're an athlete. You don't need to say nothing. You can't protest because um, you at work. You on your job. Um, you you Right. Your you image. Right. It's always right. emphasis placed on restrictions for our rights to vote. I, I mean, for our right mm-hmm. to protest, but they can protest whenever they feel like it. They can walk around exactly. with their guns whenever they feel like it. And that's the mentality mm-hmm. that they have. And it's a lot of us that, that truly feel like we just want to keep the peace. We don't want to push it. We, You know, I'm not going to own a gun. I don't want no problems. I don't want no trouble. But trouble come to you, and you can't even protect yourself and your family. That's you right. Know? That's, that's right. on you. That's right. That's, that's right. on you. That's right. You got to you got to mm-hmm. understand that even though they may not want us to have these rights, we absolutely have them. And regardless of whatever the repercussions that may come, we got to be able to embrace the same way they do. When they throw laws at mm-hmm. you, throw them right back at them. Yeah, I got mm-hmm. the right to have this gun. Here go my license right here. It's gonna be in my purse. Do you have a weapon on you? Yes, I absolutely do. Because if you mm-hmm. go come for me, oh. It's it, it, it gonna be some problems that I'm gonna come bring, bring back to you too now. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Absolutely. And I think that 
you made a very, very, very valid point. It's the fear. And I think, and then it's the, it's the um, lack of education. Because I don't think that some people realize <laughs> that, uh, that we have overcome and we have the same rights. I don't think they realize. And be, it's because it's not something that is being broadcasted. And of course, you know, we unfortunately live in a society where, you know, oh, um, I didn't hear that on the news or um, so-and-so didn't say it. No, go and find out for yourself, you know. And so lack of knowledge on top of fear. And here we are. And it's sad. And, and there you go. The Bible say my people perish for lack of knowledge. For um, lack of knowledge. Yes. Yep. And, and that's and that's where we are with it. It's a lack of knowledge, and then it's a it's a lack of you know. It, it's so. And I, I go back to slavery time, like you all said. We have been so browbeat that we were not even second class citizens. You know, we just were citizens at mm-hmm. all. And then right. from that to be a second class citizen, and now it's steeped in so much generational past that you know those generational curses, that mentality, because they were in a different time. But that's passed down, and understandably so, because that's all they knew. And so we have to be the ones to break through and understand the ones who are forward thinking and fought for these changes. We now have them. Now we have to take the baton and see it all the way through for the rest of the stuff that we have to overcome. But we got to first embrace what we have been able to change and overcome. And we have to apply that because in the not applying it, in the not knowing, in the not teaching, and not wanting to know or learn or teach, you know, about it, that hinders us. And, and right. that's one of the things that we keep repeating. And I want to say, you know, I didn't go and, and actively search for a book about this because we, you know, we did talk about, you know, the sports and how it impacts. And it's hilarious to me in 2020 when people who are opposed to what they consider Black Lives Matter and all of this stuff say, you know, say that sports shouldn't be involved. It's their job. It's their this. And, you know, everything that we had to do, we had to fight for equality or even just to be able to participate, you know, because major baseball, you know, all of these leagues did not have black people. There was a Negro League for baseball. You know, there was a, that, that we just weren't accepted. So we had to fight to get in. Now we have to fight to remain inclusive. You know, and right. one of, you know, it, it, it bothers me when I hear people say there was much comparison to Colin Kaepernick and Muhammad Ali when he first started kneeling saying, oh, well, he's being, you know, troublesome and he needs to be, you know, Muhammad, you know, people will say, well, what about Muhammad Ali? Like, oh, well, he was great and he fought for it. I'm like, okay, but you do realize that's the story that you hear now, that people can embrace what he did now because um, he faced the same oh, criticism back then as Colin Kaepernick and all the rest of these athletes are getting now. 
So don't mm-hmm. use his name to try to thwart what he went through back then. Because he was going through the mm-hmm. same things back then mm-hmm. as we're going through now. And I thought mm-hmm. this would be a good time to just bring that to light. Um, to go over some of the quotes he said. And I'll end on a book that I heard about and it reminded me of it. And I felt like it's something since we are speaking about sports to intertwine about sports and social and racial equality. But I'm going to read a few quotes that he said that just, it, it hurt because I read them and I'm looking at the time and the era in which they were said. And I feel as though, even though we've overcome so much, that we still sometimes get stuck in the same rut and we're still mm-hmm. there. Um, mm-hmm. First quote that I want to say that he said, he said, I'm not going 10,000 miles from home to continue the domination of white slave masters of the darker people the world over. And that was in regards to him going to fight in the Vietnam. Um, he also said, and still talking about that, why should they ask me to put on a uniform and go 10,000 miles from home and drop bombs and bullets on brown people in Vietnam while so-called Negro people in Louisville are treated like dogs and denied simple human rights. Mm, mm, that was in mm. February, February 17th, 1966. This is 2020. Mm. Um, and we still being I, treated like dogs. There you go. And here is another quote. He said, mm-hmm. in your struggle for freedom, justice, and equality, I am with you. I came to Louisville because I could not remain silent while my own people, many I grew up with, many I went to school with, many my blood relatives were being beaten, stomped, and kicked in the streets simply because they want freedom and justice and equality in housing. And that quote resonated with me um, because it goes back to what you were saying, Kate Roche, and you, um, Diane, about the ones who have the platform who are silent. And when you said that um, Naomi Osaka, she put her career, you know, on the line, on the fence, on pause, because before she was an athlete, she's black, you know? And that resonated with me, with him, with that. Again, 1966. You understand know what I'm saying? And it's 2020. Exactly. Um, but my, and my final quote as a testament to that is when he said, a man who is not courageous enough to take risk will never accomplish anything in life. And in saying that, he was not talking about risk career-wise. He was talking about risk towards your career in order to battle against social and racial injustice and fight for human basic rights. Um, so I look at the, you know, the great Muhammad Ali and when they try to put him on a platform now, you know, to discredit Colin Kaepernick and said, no, no, no. 
he was very vocal. He was he, he took stand and he was he criticized back then. But it's sad that the same things, the very same things, the fabric of what he was speaking about in the sixties is still happening in twenty twenty. And athletes are still having to use their platform for basic human rights and equality against systemic racism and social injustice. And it's time out for that. You don't want them to use it for that. Then change. Make the necessary changes. Hear what they have to say and implement them. And in saying that, I would say this. There was a book where it focused more on his spirituality and his activism. And that book was The Soul of a Butterfly, Reflections on Life's Journey, Muhammad Ali with, with Hannah Ali. And so that book is available on Amazon. So if you guys want to know more about Muhammad Ali and reflections of his life from that perspective, from his spirituality and his social activism, that is a good book to pick up. And, you know, I, I just, I encourage all of the listeners to, you know, do what we have been actively speaking about. Uh, if you ain't ready, get ready. You know, learn, learn that, that you part. Know, teach your history. You know, yes. and, and understand yes. that you are no longer a second class citizen. You have rights. You need to embrace them. You need to challenge what's not right. You need to stick up for your brothers and sisters. You need to be able to protect your family. And, you know, hopefully if we begin to do these things, we can, and and also our buying power. Like I said, we we are off supporting people who don't support us. We need to get off of that. Mm-hmm. You can't support mm-hmm. me. And st- I'm not about to buy bread from your shop when I can't eat the same bread at your house. Okay, mm. I'm not gonna do that. I'm not going That's to spend my that. money in a store that will not hire me or someone who looks like me. Right, absolutely. You know, even down to there's a whole other topic, but even down to discriminate discriminating wow. against people because of their name. You know, they're like, oh, that name sounds ghetto, but you got plenty of people over here from um, <laughs> from Russia and Slovenia and all of these other places with names that Americans can't pronounce. Okay. But their names are not vilified. You know, it's not discriminated against. So, guess what? If <laughs> I, I, I'm, I'm, a, I'm not going to say the name I wanted to say. But, you know, if 45 wife could come over here and get a job, then Quanisha could get a job. Come on, come on now. Quanisha <laughs> could get a job. You know, I, I, I just, it, it, we have to learn to truly embrace those things. And we need to, you know, understand our place in society is not under it's equal and we need to act that way you know so you ladies this has been a great conversation I have enjoyed you all as always 
it is truly therapeutic for me <laughs> to get these things off my chest. But I think more than anything, it's necessary. It's necessary to, to keep the conversation and keep the message going because it's needed. It is definitely needed. And I value you guys' opinions and I value these talks. But before we leave, I want to give you guys time to shout out your social media and how people can contact you or reach okay, out. Okay, um, um, this is Kay Roche. My um my social media is um Kay Roche on Instagram and uh, well at Kay Roche on Instagram and um I really have really enjoyed our conversation um today. I think that it it is so needed um during this time and I just appreciate you ladies so much. Absolutely. Yes, ma'am. And Diane? Okay, thank you. Um, I, I do um, agree. I This has been very therapeutic for me because I had some things that was bottled up and I was able to get them out today. And I knew that this was a judge-free zone. Um, and, I, and I do appreciate that from you ladies because, um, you know, oftentimes you get, you know, women together and there's going to be you know, some sort of disagreements, but we are on the same page when it comes to the issues that we come and discuss. And so I look forward um, to our chat. Um, and so, again, I, I thank you for that um, and allowing me to be a part of it. Now, you can find me and some of the stuff that we're talking about, you will find on my platform um, only because I can and it's my platform. <laughs> Um, yeah, I, that's, I say that because something that Kay Rochelle said, I think Kay said it, that, you know, um, people are stifled, you know, um, um, they're in a certain position and so they can't express themselves they, the way they want to express themselves. So I love the fact that I have the freedom, um, not just here, but on my platform and you will, you will see me talk about, you know, certain things. Black History um, Moment is definitely um, a huge part of anything that I am doing. And so you can find me at Diamond's Literary World on Instagram, on Twitter, um, uh, Facebook. Um, you can find me there. Um, whatever like uh, social media platforms, you will find me and you will find me discussing these things. I welcome all newcomers. Um, I'm also over on YouTube because at the end of the day, um, I I bring this across in, in my books, um, the books that I read and I try to bring to you guys. Um, and right now, I, just so everyone knows, I'm on a quest. Like, I'm on a quest that I can't even describe. The more I dig, it's the more I, I, I find. And then I keep going. I dig even more. Um, about learning about who we are and where we actually come from. Because just like how we have to prepare ourselves um, when it comes to um, bearing arms, we have to prepare ourselves with knowledge. And so we, a lot of times, um, just as Untamed was pointing out some of the quotes um, of Muhammad Ali, um, the great Muhammad Ali, and, and to see, recognize that we are going through some of those same things. Some of the, the same things that was going on in in in, um, in books, you know, in, in our um, historical fiction as well as our history books, they're repeating themselves now, or maybe they were just pushed under the rug, 
and so they are resurfacing. And so we need to know how we can combat and what we need to do, the role that we can play. So, and I, I'm, I'm doing that. That's where I am right now. So I just wanted to let everybody know that. Thank you, Diana. Absolutely. Um, your platform is a great source of Black history um, facts. And, um, of course, for reading as well through Diamond's Literary World. Um, I And I also want to just make sure that I say to you guys, Make sure you tune in to our past episodes of Social Conscious Corner where we have, you know, just many, many books on several different topics that um, we have presented. And make sure you're following the Get Caught Up Podcast on Instagram at Get Caught Up Podcast and on Twitter at GCU underscore podcast. Um, you can find me, Untamed, on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube at Author Untamed. And you guys, again, I have I've thoroughly enjoyed the conversation. I, I know that it is necessary and it is reaching the people that it surely needs to reach. Um, it, it's, it's amazing every time we get on together and very therapeutic. But also you know, very forward thinking and in the information and our viewpoints that we present, I just I appreciate them so much because they they are so eye opening. You know? And um but I just want to also give a, a last shout out to Miss Lakeisha who's not able to join us today. But I want to make sure that I shout out her nonprofit campaign, Two Clicks for Justice. Make sure that you guys please, please, please follow Two Clicks for Justice on Instagram at Two Clicks for Justice, her nonprofit campaign that is um, being set up to help um, with the legal fees and support for um, families and survivors for women of color who have faced social and racial injustices and need help within the legal system. So, surely follow Two Clicks for Justice campaign and you ladies again thank you it's been a wonderful conversation and until we talk again you guys remain untamed and have a wonderful evening good evening I'll talk Bye. to you soon bye bye good night Jonathan, Christian, Terrace, Sean, killed him the day before his wedding. Jamal killed him while he was in handcuffs. Mike killed him while he had his hands up. Kamani with Molly, Villa, Alton, about three Kevins, about two Jordans. John, Laquan, Mathon, Lafon, Tony, Tamir, Elijah, Antoine, Isel, Terrell, Dontre, Akai. George, for him, set the country on fire. Timothy, Patrick, Paul, Tyree, 
Quintonio, Darius, Jeremy, William, Anthony, Dante, Oscar, Kendrick, Keith, David, Walter, woman like Sandra, Betty, Rihanna, India, Michelle, Tatiana, Tanisha, Rika, Natasha, Palmer, Shannon, Megan, baby Ayana, all that we lost, your name live on. Wasn't killed by a cop, but I can't forget Trayvon. Can't forget Emmett and all of those we lost to the beast. No justice, no peace. No peace.